Grace and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Who is Jesus? Seems like an interesting question considering that we are at church, in a Christian church, here to worship Jesus. We have the Bible. Jesus is in the Bible. So, who is Jesus? If you look at around the world, there are many different opinions as to who Jesus is. You can look even to Hollywood, and they will tell you who Jesus is. If you've ever watched Family Guy or South Park, you will see Jesus in there. Uh, he can do a lot of cool magic tricks. He can shoot lightning from his fingers, uh, but he's not the most respectable guy. Uh, if you watch the, the miniseries The Bible on TV, you'll know that they got criticized. And, and why did they get criticized? Uh, because they made Jesus too good-looking. And so their portrayal of Jesus was a good-looking man. Uh, in fact, he was a model who played Jesus. Uh, if you ever watched Talladega Nights, you know that Ricky Bobby likes to pray to 8-pound, 6-ounce baby Jesus, while his best friend Cal likes to picture Jesus wearing a tuxedo shirt, singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinnerd. <laughs> but even outside of Hollywood, uh, you see that Jesus is portrayed differently and viewed differently across the world. There are all kinds of Jesuses b- believed in the world. There's therapist Jesus, the Jesus who is a great listener and gives great advice. There's moral Jesus, the one who's just a, a really good example for how I should live. There's assistant Jesus. Uh, assistant Jesus is where I, I'm, I'm in control of my life, I do things, and Jesus is just there to aid me. There's giver of gifts Jesus, the one who, who just gives me a bunch of gifts and, and blesses my life. There's national pride Jesus. There's social concern Jesus. There's even deception Jesus. The belief that Jesus is a deceiver. That uh, he was a man that claimed to be God and convinced billions and billions of people of all time to believe that he is God. But he's actually just a man. So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? This is an important question to answer, especially as problems come into your life. You need to know who Jesus is. And either how big He is, or how small He is. Who is Jesus? It's a question that the Colossians uh, were struggling with in the first century. Around 50 AD, uh, the Apostle Paul, a missionary, going around uh, establishing churches everywhere. Uh, in Paul's career, these are all of the cities that he went to. All of the lines are different missionary journeys. And all the cities are cities that he stopped at. Here's Colossae, uh, where the book of Colossians, the letter to the Colossians was written, right there. You'll notice Paul actually didn't get to Colossae. He didn't start that church. Uh, but he wrote a letter there. Uh, and it's because he knew them still, because Paul started a church in Ephesus, which was 100 miles from Colossae. And so the, the Colossian leaders said, we've got this problem in our church. Paul is 100 miles away. We're going to go and talk to Paul and see what is going on. And what did they bring to Paul? They said, Paul, we've got big problems. Our church was started on the belief that Jesus is big, that Jesus is all we need. But now there's a belief among us that Jesus isn't big enough. That it needs to be Jesus plus something else. 
Jesus plus an experience. Jesus plus another teaching. Jesus plus you fill in the blank. Paul, help us. And in Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes in his letter, in his first page, he writes just how big Jesus is. And so let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. We'll be going through on the screen. You can follow along in your worship folders if you want. Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. He says, The Son, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. So who is Jesus? He is the King who made all things. That's your first point this morning, if you're following along your worship folder. He is the King who made all things. Look at what Paul says here. In Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers and authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. Everything that you see, He created. When you look out west at night and you see the sun setting, and you see the beautiful pinks and the beautiful oranges in the sky, and you quick run to go grab your phone because you want to take a picture, and you take a picture and you look and you say, well, that's not as good. That's just so beautiful, but I can't picture it here. Jesus created that. The rolling hills of hill country, Jesus created. The stars at night that are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas, Jesus created those. The the billions and billions of galaxies, the, the planets that orbit the sun, Jesus has created everything. I googled how many galaxies there are, and it comes up that there are over 900 billion galaxies that we've discovered. And Jesus created all of them. Think about that for a second. He created all of the galaxies, and yet here on earth is the only life that we have ever discovered to date, and you and me. And how small are we? And yet God, Jesus, created us. He created everything needed so that you can enjoy brisket layered in barbecue sauce. He created everything that you need so that you can have your two eggs and toast in the morning. He created everything so that you can enjoy that cup of coffee, the coffee that's sitting out there. He's created everything. When you stand at the top of a mountain looking over the Pacific Ocean and you take in just how vast it is, Jesus created it. He's created everything visible. He's created everything invisible. Angels, laws of gravity, laws of nature, uh, everything that you can't see that exists, He created. And maybe during uh, this time in our country, this is uh, a comforting one. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, Jesus has created everything, including all of the kings and all of the lords in this world. And guess what? They all have to answer to Him. And so they're gonna, the kings of this world have to answer to the King of creation for their actions, their words, for everything that they do, the decisions that they make. They will answer to the King of Kings. And the Lords will bow down to the Lord, that is Jesus. All things were created through Him. He is the King who made all things. But Paul continues. Verse 17. 
He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the King who maintains all things. He is the King who maintains all things. In Him all things hold together. If Jesus were to stop saying work, this world would stop working. Uh, The reason that water exists is because two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom combine together and form water, right? If it wasn't for Jesus telling them to stick together, they would separate and we wouldn't have water. Kevin Durant and LeBron James would go up for a dunk and they would just keep floating away if Jesus didn't keep pushing the button down for gravity. Everything holds together in Jesus. The reason that plants take in carbon dioxide and give off oxygen, and the reason that human beings take in oxygen and give off carbon dioxide is because Jesus tells them to, tells us to. The reason your brain continues to work, the reason your heart continues to beat, the reason you keep breathing is because Jesus tells you to. The reason the sun rises in the east and travels and goes sets in the west and you can count on it rising again is because Jesus continues to make it happen. If it wasn't for Jesus maintaining all things and holding all things together, it wouldn't exist. This world would end. This universe would not be in existence. He is the one who maintains everything. How many of you have heard of dark matter? What's dark matter? Dark matter... Uh, is something that scientists have recently discovered over the last couple of years. And it's something that they discovered, but they can't measure it. They can't look at it under a microscope or see it in a telescope. It's something that they can't actually do scientific experiments on. It's something that they can't touch. They can't discover it. But they say it's there. And they say that dark matter makes up 85% of matter in the entire universe. So why do they believe in dark matter if they can't scientifically prove it? Because according to calculations, scientific calculations, uh, at the rate that the universe spins, at the rate that galaxies move, if it wasn't for some outside force working on it, the galaxies would fly apart. And so there must be something that is working on the galaxies to keep them in place, working on the earth to make it rotate the way that it does. Otherwise, it would fly completely away. And so even though they can't prove it, they say, according to our calculations, this would all go away if something else wasn't working on it, so it must be some kind of matter, and that matter is dark matter, they say. They, can't, they don't know what it is, but we do. Or better, we know who it is. It is Jesus, the maintainer of all things. In Him, all things hold together. This is how big our Jesus is. He is the maker of all things. He is the maintainer of all things. If Jesus were gone, nothing would be here. If Jesus were gone, nothing would continue to be here. This is how big He is. And yet, why do we have such a small view of Him? Wait a second, Pastor. I don't have a small view of Jesus then how come we say things like, I can't get control of fill-in-the-blank? Why do we say things like, 
I can't get over my grudge. Why do we say things like, I can't not worry? See, we have the same problem that the Colossians did, right? And that is a small view of Jesus. Jesus can help me in some areas of my life, but not in these. I need Jesus plus something else because Jesus is too small. Why is it that we say things like, I can't get over my grudge? It's because we have a small view of Jesus. And we haven't completely taken in just how big His love and forgiveness is. And we haven't completely taken in that our King is sitting on the throne and He has my back. And He's going to help me. He's going to defend me. He's going to get revenge if revenge is necessary. Why is it that we worry? It's because we have a small view of Jesus. We don't think that He completely has control of all things. We don't completely believe His promises that He's going to take care of us. Why is it that we feel we need to control every situation no matter what it is? It's because we don't fully believe that Jesus has all control. We have a smaller view of Jesus than He actually is. Why is it that when marriage problems come into our life, uh, it it gets to a point where we, we are tempted to say, my marriage is beyond repair. It's because we don't fully believe that Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who created marriage, can fix marriage. We have a small view of Him. Why is it that uh, when I'm feeling guilty and, and I can't get those guilty memories out of my mind, how come I don't feel forgiven? How come I don't trust I'm forgiven? Because I don't fully believe that when Jesus says I'm forgiven, when, when my king says from his throne, you are forgiven, I don't fully believe him. Because what he says is too small in my life. See, we, we share the same problem that the Colossians did. We have this huge, big king, the maker of all things, the maintainer of all things, and yet we tend to view him so, so incredibly small. If you were Jesus, how would you respond to that? If you were the king of kings... If you are the king of this world, sitting on your throne, and you have invited your people to come to you, you you say to them, I can do anything. I created everything. If you have a problem, come to me, and I will help you. I will take care of it. And then your people say, "Uh, I don't think you can help me on this one. You're too small. How would you respond? If it were me, I'd say, see you later. Goodbye. Good luck. Maybe I'd even wage war. Maybe I'd get the angels and say, let's take this person down. They'll learn. But how does Jesus respond? How does the King of Kings respond to our lack of trust? Paul tells us. And and this is... uh, the incredible part about our King. He's maker, he's maintainer. And as impressive as those are, this last characteristic of our King is probably the most 
incredible. Here's what Paul says. And he, that is Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Your last point today, the king, Jesus is the king who reconciled all things. Do you know what reconcile means? It means to make friends again. It means to fix a relationship. If you and your best friend have a fight and you're not talking, to reconcile means to be brought back into a good relationship. And that's what Paul says that Jesus, our King, did. He reconciled all things to Him through His blood, making peace through His blood. You see, you and I don't always have a good relationship with God. We don't trust Him, despite Him never giving us a reason to not trust Him. And we run from Him. We say, your promises are great, but I think this can help me more. We have sinned, done what is against God's wishes. We've disobeyed Him. And that's sin. Every problem that we have goes back to that common denominator, sin. And it is what separates us from God. We are over here, God is over here, and right in the middle is sin. And it's broken our relationship with God. But Jesus, our King, said, even though you are running away from me, even though you don't trust me, even though you're going in the opposite direction, I'm going to pursue you and I'm going to fix things. And our King did not wait for an apology. Our King did not wait until we turned back around and said, please help me. Our King said, no, I'm coming. And He left His throne and He came to the earth and lived like you and me. The King of creation, God Himself, born as a baby, and He grew up and He lived perfectly. And He died on the cross. And when He died and He shed His blood, that broken relationship with God was mended, reconciled. Paul says he brought peace through his blood. And that's what you have with God. You have peace with God because our King died for us. Because of him, you are forgiven. Because of him, death has been conquered. Because of him, heaven is yours. And and here's one more amazing thing. As King of the world, King of kings and Lord of lords, should he have to prove to us that we can trust him? No, we should just take him at his word, right? He should say, trust me, and that, that's the end of it. And yet, what does Jesus do with us every day? Our king walks with us, and he says, come on, I will prove to you again that you can trust me. And he patiently proves time and time again that we can trust him. He patiently proves that he has everything under control. He, per- he patiently proves to us again and again that we can trust every word that he says. This is our king. This is a king who rules all things. He's the maker of all things, the maintainer of all things, and the reconciler 
of all things. So as we go through life and, and we're beginning to have those bitter feelings and we're, and we're starting to hold that grudge, run to our King and His promises. Know just how big our King is and that He has our back. As you're beginning to worry, run to Jesus, our King, and His promises and, and realize just how big He is and how He maintains everything and He has control over everything. As you start to have marriage problems, run to the king who made marriage and ask him for help and trust that he can help and listen to his advice when it comes to marriage. When you're feeling guilty, turn to the king who sits on his throne and says, you are forgiven. Who can bring any charge against those whom God has declared innocent? Nobody. Because the king says from his throne, forgiven, innocent of all charges. This is your King, Christ the King. May God be with you this week and always as you run to Him, trust Him in all things as He patiently walks with you. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we praise and thank You that You are on Your throne. We praise and thank You that uh, You made all things, maintain all things, and You have reconciled all things to Yourself. We thank You for making peace with us through Your blood. Uh, We thank You for forgiving us all of our sins and patiently walking with us every single day. Uh, Lord, You know that we struggle with uh, viewing You small and not comprehending just how big You are. Uh, Help us to trust that uh, and continue to prove that You are Uh, as big as you are, uh, because we are weak and we do stumble and we do have a lack of trust. You know that. uh, We know that. And so patiently bear with us every single moment of our life. And we know you will, because that's your promise. Continue to rule all things for for the good good of your kingdom and for our good. We trust you and we know you will do this. In your name, amen.